0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Incarnation of Christ. I'm so excited about spending the next few moments with you as we dig into a theological doctrine that is foundational to our understanding of God's love for humanity. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to share with you some important nuggets that quite possibly could cause you to look at Jesus in a way that you've never looked at Him before. There are a few questions that I hope to answer in this episode. First of all, we must understand why did God become a man? Why would the creator of all things become just like one of his creations? Why would the second person of the Godhead take on the form of a man? To be honest with you, that just seems crazy to me. That God in all of his glory would literally just take on the form of a man to be just like you and I. But that's exactly what he did. God took on the form, the flesh of a man. Incarnation simply means that God became flesh. God became flesh. And in John 1, 14, the Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you were to look at the message translation, the Bible would say it like this, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The Bible said the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. When I think about that, I can't help but think, you know, that God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He literally came to dwell, to do life with humanity. It is important to note that while Jesus is truly a man, he did not yield any of his deity. He was 100% a man, just like you and I, but he also was 100% God. There were times when the demons saw Jesus and recognized him, not for his humanity, but they recognized him for his deity. In Matthew chapter 8, the Bible says, When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? This passage of scripture reveals to us that even the demons understood that Jesus was not just a man, but he was God. Jesus was a man, but he never surrendered his deity. For Jesus to dwell among us, another miracle was required. In order to maintain God's sinless perfection, it was important that he be born of a virgin woman. Now Mary was that young woman. Mary was a woman who had never known a man. And I want you to imagine being selected from all women on the earth to carry God in your womb. Can you even imagine the responsibility? You're not just carrying a child as important as that is, but you are literally carrying God in your womb. Mary gave birth to Jesus and the first and only sinless human was born into the world. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. But why did he do it? Why did Jesus do that? The most concise answer is that he did it because of love. He did it because of love. You see, he saw humanity fail God. He saw humanity fail God over and over. He knew that it was impossible for human beings to completely obey the law of God you know, even our best days were just were just simply not good enough. And he knew that we as humans needed someone to satisfy the law of God. Now to fully understand, you must go back to the very beginning of humanity. Adam was the first person ever to live on earth. He was formed from the dust of the ground and God breathed the breath of life into him. Now I want to I want to point out that Adam was perfect. Adam was sinless. However, even though Adam was perfect and sinless, he still failed the command of God not to eat of one tree in the garden. A perfect man failed. His failure caused sin to come into the world and every single person born would be born in sin and would continue to fail God. And This man is called the first Adam. Now, humanity has a sin nature. And now humanity actually desires to sin. See, all of us were born with the appetite to sin. Now I know, you know, you probably like to think that you're better than you actually are, but the truth is we all know that down deep inside there's that nature inside of us that actually desires to sin. Not only can we sin, but we have a nature that wants to sin. The greatest problem that humanity has is because of that sin nature and that desire to to sin, that alienates us from God. You see, God is still holy. He's still perfect. He's still just. He loves us, but he cannot ignore the consequences of sin. And God in his mercy, if you go back into the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, God in his mercy allowed the sacrificial system in the Old Covenant to address the sin of Israel. Blood was required from an innocent sacrifice, this, this was a type that would later be fulfilled by Jesus himself. But why did Jesus need to be the one to make the sacrifice from you and I, for you and I? Well, you've got to go back to Adam. Adam was the first Adam. And if there's a first Adam, there's a last Adam. And Jesus was the last Adam. He is the last Adam because where the first Adam was sinless and perfect, He still failed God. The last Adam is also sinless and perfect, but he did not fail the Father. He was obedient even unto death. I love what Philippians 2.8 says. It really says everything that we're talking about today. Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man. Did you catch that? Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross man that's powerful that is powerful jesus didn't use an innocent lamb to make a temporary sacrifice he became the innocent lamb and he was sacrificed for all sin forevermore in john 129 the bible says that that john prophesied this john understood this the bible says the next day john saw jesus coming toward him and said look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world. John understood what that meant. He's the Lamb of God that takes away... The sin of the world. He knew that from the beginning. He knew why Jesus was there. He knew the purpose of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus, the reason that He came because of love so that He could dwell among us is so that He could be that sacrifice. He could be the innocent Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. No other person wrapped in flesh was able to fulfill the law of God. No one could do it until until Jesus came as the incarnate Christ, wrapped in flesh and obeyed the Father even unto death on the cross. So on that Good Friday, Jesus gave his innocent life for you and for me. It should have been us hanging on the cross. It should have been us paying for the consequences of our sin. However, Jesus said, I'll do it for you. I will take your punishment and I will pay your price for sin. I will obey the Father in your place. Folks, that is crazy love. That is crazy love. Jesus was 100% man. He was 100% God. The God-man Jesus died. He was dead just like any other man would have been. However, on the third day, on what we call Easter morning, Jesus, the God-man, walked out of the grave alive forevermore. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for you, and he did it for me. So what's our responsibility now? What is our responsibility? We certainly could not fulfill the law of God. We were failures, man, Day after day, year after year, we made so many mistakes in our life. But Jesus said, I will go in your your place, I will go in your stead, and I will make sacrifice for you. So now, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is simple. It's to love him. To love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Matthew 22, Jesus said these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants. That's our responsibility. You see, it's an honor to love him that first loved me and gave himself for me. It's an honor to be in right relationship with the incarnate Christ. I'm so glad that he died for me. He rose again for me. I'm so glad that I can live forever with him. I am so glad that he demonstrated his love for me that while I was still a sinner, Christ died For me. He does not love me because I'm good. He doesn't love me because I'm great. He doesn't love me because I'm perfect. He doesn't love me because I don't make mistakes. I I make mistakes. I'm a failure. I have screwed up many things in my life. But one thing is for sure. He loved me while I was still a sinner. Enough to die for me. Now that's amazing love. That's an amazing God. So I want to encourage you today. Man, I want to encourage you to love him. I don't care where you are in your walk or where you are in your life right now. I want to encourage you to just love God. I want to encourage you to believe on the son of God who takes away the sin of the world. Don't wait to be perfect, man. You're you're never going to get there. Just love him. But don't love him from a distance. Love him intimately. Love Him with all that you are. Love Him every single day and every single action and every single attitude. Love Him. Now may your family experience the glorious resurrection power of the incarnate Christ today and always. And until next time, remember, God doesn't love you just on your good days. He loves you every day, good or bad, now. Forever.